thought I'd start with asking how you're doing, because you always ask me how I'm doing. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing really <laughs> well, John. I've noticed that about every episode, is that it always starts with you asking how I'm doing. That's because you sit there with your teeth in your mouth. My teeth are supposed to be in my mouth. That's why, it's, that's, why that's a saying. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that saying. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I had a good run this morning. Oh, you got your run this morning. <clears throat> yeah, I've been, I've been able to run consistently with no medical problems. Yeah, I'm proud of you. You've been pretty consistent and getting out there and forcing yourself to get out there. It was hot this morning, too. It was humid, like 89% yeah. humidity, something ridiculous. It was just, I felt like I was having to, like, paddle through moisture. <laughs> Yeah, I felt it yesterday. Our power was shut off, and it it, it you know, took it helps, maybe it helps if you pay the pay the bill. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's always the thing. Your power goes out, and the first your thought is, "Did I pay the bill?" I th every time, or and even, then you start like you just like peeking out your blinds, seeing if the neighbor's <laughs> house's lights are on. <laughs> I mean, anyone who's had their power shut off can, yeah. can uh, <laughs> that's sympathize with us. <laughs> yeah, we uh, even if the, we get like a little blip of power, I'm like, "Oh crap, did I pay?" <laughs> But yeah, it took it like maybe five, ten minutes before it really started to get humid in the house. And it, it wasn't that long. And our, our house is pretty cold. It's kept pretty cold. Yeah. To the point where I walk around with a sweater on because it's so cold in my house. Wow, that's expensive. It's, it's, well, it doesn't seem to be. I think because we've upgraded all our windows and, and a bunch of stuff that our house is pretty well okay. insulated. Yeah. And so it, it stays pretty cold. It's, it's hard for me to adjust the temperature because I'll either adjust it and it gets warm or I adjust it and it gets cold. So I can't find that middle ground. Hmm. And we have the system that lets you, that um, has little devices, the Echo Bee, it's called. Right, yeah. And mm -hmm. so we've got little sensors around the house, so it's supposed to average out the temperature of the house. Are they temperature sensors? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's They're cool. infrared sensors. So they're infrared and temperature sensors, so they, they try to detect if someone's in the room. People are there, yeah. And yeah. so if, if it does, then it factors in that temp room's temperature into the algorithm or whatever. Yeah. I've, uh, I've thought about, a, you know, getting one of those, but I'm just, I don't know, I've I definitely think I don't want the Nest because I don't think its algorithm would work on us at all. I would, I would do something like the Echo Bee where it's actually, it doesn't use an algorithm to try to like just determine when you're usually home and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. It yeah. just, that wouldn't work with us. Whereas the Echo Bee, it's like, okay, who's actually home right now? Uh, we'll just turn the AC on. Someone's home. Turn the AC on. Make it comfortable. You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that's valuable either. I mean, because it's going to shut off. It's going to get really hot and then it's going to take a lot of, Probably more, more power to bring everything back up to temperature. I don't temperature. believe that. I've heard people say that. Like, you shouldn't, like, if you're going to be gone for all day, like, eight, eight, ten hours, like, you totally should turn your AC up. But oh, isn't it just maintaining temperature and it's only on for maybe a few minutes to maintain the temperature versus. Well, being... maintaining, like, if it's hot outside, maintaining, you know, 74 degrees is really expensive. It'd be better. Depends I mean, on how well it insulated your home that, is. No, that's, that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if you're really well insulated, it's less expensive, but it's still, I think overall, I mean, just, I would turn it up to like 80. And then when I get home, 10 hours later, turn it down 74. Now, does it take an hour to get down to 74? Probably, but that's still a, a lot less AC running than if you leave it on 74 all day. At yeah. least I think. I've never measured this. But I definitely don't believe the thing that, oh, yeah, don't turn it up when you leave for 10 hours because it will just, it'll cost you just as much to bring it down to temperature when you get home. I just don't see how that, that yeah. doesn't make sense to me. It, it hasn't seemed to change my life or anything. It's it just, really? It's just there. <laughs> All the talk of how technology and algorithms and AI is going to change. I don't, I don't buy it. I just really don't. Oh, that, that leads me into my rant on AI. I saw this video, and it's, it's an old technology. I guess Google came out with, like, Google Draw. And it's supposed to be this AI that lets you're supposed to be able to draw something, and it's supposed to figure out what you're drawing and then okay. give you suggestions. But it's not, it's not reformatting your art or really 
being any smart. It just kind of takes the lines you draw and tries to figure out what you might be drawing and gives you like some clip art to replace it with. Okay, yeah. And I'm like, that's not AI. That's just, that's kind of dumb. And so you draw like a bunch of different it's things. Not AI. It's, 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 I mean, it's, it's computer vision. It's probably, you know, some kind of machine learning, but it's not. I know, not but AI. everything gets labeled AI and it just frustrates me that, that it's supposed to be this like, smart thing that's looking at, actually looking at your picture as if like an artist was looking over your shoulder and saying, oh, here's what you meant to draw. Right. Let so me draw I, that for you. But it's like, not. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's still AI because what are the, you know, the, the kind of the current status of AI is it's about as smart as like a three-year-old or something like that. Like AI still doesn't understand, it doesn't understand why of anything. You know, it, it, it might understand that like, um, oh, I don't know, I can't even think of a good example. It's just, it's just, it's actually still pretty dumb. I mean, I, it just seems like a, a nifty way to filter and categorize content. It just, right. it's, you give it some input and it says, oh, I think I know which drawer that's in. Let me open that yeah. and dumps everything in that drawer onto the screen and says, which one did you mean? Yeah, yeah. Did I, did I get close to it? I mean, that's just, yeah, it's just. Right. I think my three-year-old, well, at the time, my three-year-old could do better than that. Like, I mean, for example, if you showed it like a picture of, I don't know, like a, a Frisbee or something, like it, it might be able to recognize that that's a Frisbee, but does it know what you do with a Frisbee? Does it, does it know whether or not you should eat a Frisbee? Does it know <laughs> whether, you know, it, does, it doesn't yeah. know any of these. It does, doesn't have anywhere near the intelligence that a four-year-old would have. But Jeremy, we've been told the fourth oh, industrial know. revolution is coming. Exactly. Our jobs are going to be replaced by these stupid AI bots. Let AI make all your business decisions for you. <laughs> Let, you know, it'll... <laughs> I just, I, that's, that's why I don't buy into the whole fourth industrial revolution. It's, it, maybe that's going to happen and maybe that's going to be a thing, but I don't think we're anywhere close to it. Well, I don't think... We I keep mean, seeing I, these, these AI, AI things, and so, the media picks it up yeah. as this new thing. It's smart. It's going to replace you and everything else, and yeah. I, art and music. Everything's going to be algorithmic. And I'm like, no, it's not. Well, okay. Do you, is it, would you agree with the statement that AI is part of um, like a general category of automation? Yeah. Okay. So all this, like this new type of automation around data and business processes and stuff that you used to require, you know, like well-trained, intelligent humans, well-educated humans, um, you know, these inform inf information workers, right? That mm -hmm. we're, we're the last ones to be, you know, um, revolutionized out of a job. That's what the fourth revolu industrial revolution is. It's like, it's, it's automating all this information and intelligence. I, and, I just and even think, though that, I just think even that though AI is not impressive yet, it, you know, current <laughs> capabilities of machine learning are automating are automating tasks you know i still see it as a tool i still see it as like nothing I, more than a tool to distill it, it is, it is. a large amount of right. data into something that we as humans can make a decision off of i mean computers are already really good at looking at x-rays and detecting whether or not there's problems or not because uh, that's what that's one thing that computers are good at you know for, but that all depends on a lot of factors i mean it, I, it does when, when, when my daughter broke her arm which she broke her arm i think i've said that before i could see one of the fractures. I guess this is not a HIPAA compliant podcast. Because <laughs> you're revealing medical details. <laughs> <laughs> I could see one of the fractures, but there was another fracture on on one of her other bones because it was the wrist bone that you know you have two bones in your wrist that lets you kind of turn your wrist. No one can see what I'm doing. It's the radio ulna, John. Yeah. Well, one of them there, the fracture was a lot smaller and it was hairline, and even the doctor had a hard time seeing it. The doctor sent it off for a second opinion and everything just to get validation on it. I mean, it's things like that. You don't want to miss those things. You don't want to miss those small little things that a person goes, hmm, an algorithm might not know to do that. Yeah. 
And if you take that information as blind faith that the algorithm is always right, I mean, I just, I just don't see that. Right. I don't know. I think it's I think there's always going to be a person involved in these type of things. Even if, mm. even if the, uh, that, that always is, I think you gotta, that's almost like saying never, like you should, you should never say always and you should always say never. <laughs> well, you should well, never Mr. say Mr. Either, Mr. Musk said people are done and I'm going to have robots build all my cars. And then he couldn't scale and he had to bring in what people. Right. Yeah. They, they over roboticize their factory. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I think it's, I mean, definitely there's going to be a whole, whole classes of jobs that just are going to go away. I mean, maybe. There was maybe. an article. I wish I would have, I have, unfortunately, I don't know. People will notice this at some point that are listening right now, but I have zero prepared for this episode. <laughs> so this is kind of just John and I bullshitting, but I uh, had a bunch of stuff bookmarked. I just didn't get around to reading it, but one of them was, um, uh, crap. What was it? I just lost it. Something about AI. Um, oh, well, I forget. Was it around Elon or? Yeah, it was. What was it? Um, I don't know. Some AI to scrub his Twitter feed so he doesn't get in trouble again? Probably. He needs that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think if it's going to get there, it, it sure, maybe it'll get there. But I, I, I like to think that these are going to be tools and we'll find ways to incorporate them just, just like any other automation that has come and gone or still exists. It hasn't replaced. It's replaced people to a certain extent. Some of the more tedious, menial jobs got replaced, but still required a, a person not only to maintain the equipment, but to build it and to evolve it. And, and also, there's still that human factor, even after the fact. Yeah, I remember what it was now. It was that article about um, the coders that are coding themselves out of a job. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, it's not like the world stands still and it's static. It's always changing. So we do have a fourth industrial revolution then, John. What are you saying? We do? Yeah. How am I saying that? The, it's the, because people are, people are working themselves out of jobs. Jobs are going away in the world. And this is, this is expected because the world, like you just said, the world's always changing. It's not static. I love when you sit here and disagree with yourself. It's awesome. <laughs> what you I'm should, saying is you should fact, shave one side of your face and leave the other side like bearded so that you can when you change positions you can turn your <laughs> I can like maybe the bearded John's kind of like the angry pessimistic one and then the clean shaven side is like the, the uppity or not uppity <laughs> that's the wrong word the up up uh, up tempo or whatever uplifting what uppity that's not a very all, nice all word, I'm trying it? to say is that the world isn't static it changes it evolves which means that I don't think there's going to be an algorithm that's going to be able to account for all that. I don't think we as people in our brains can account for all the variables in life. So therefore, I think there's always going to be a need for people. There's always, it, we build this stuff for us to accommodate us. It's not like we're mindless drones of consumers, even though that's what marketing people yeah. like to think of us but as. When, when we don't build cars anymore and we don't drive cars anymore and we don't have to program cars anymore... Maybe by then we and, don't want to go anywhere anyways because we have virtual reality. So why are we going to need cars? Uh, we're going to be... You see how the world changes? You, you invest all your time and effort into <laughs> automated cars and then VR takes over and you're like, well, I don't need to go anywhere. Let's sit on my couch. And we're just going to have these... You won't even have a house. You'll just have, uh, you'll just have this little pod. That, uh, did you, are you watching this uh, Netflix show? What's it? Um, Maniac. Maniac. No, but Maniac. I want to. That looks, yeah. that looks so sick. Like, anyway, like these, everyone will just have like a little pod they live in, and you just put your VR on, and uh, you, yeah, just, you live whatever life you want. You see. can have the, whatever house you can imagine. I'm going to, my, my VR, what's your VR world? What, what does your VR oh, world I, look like? It's, it's inappropriate. I can't discuss it on the air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be like, like uh, uh, what's that guy? The, oh, there's that guy in the wilderness that runs around. What's his name? Um. Oh gosh, uh, 
Uh, Gri- Grizzly Adams? No. No, I don't know what you're talking about, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> He's some weird guy with a beard and everything runs around in the woods, and they, there's a film crew that follows him. I'm sure a lot of it's scripted, but still. That's, that, that's my, that that's my VR scripted. world. That's my VR world. Just yeah. running around the woods, eating off the land, and hunting stuff, and I don't know. And that's, that's definitely my fantasy. Like Either finding just somewhere out in the woods where I can build a life in some like unincorporated, un, unknown untracked area that doesn't that seem to be a common thread with developers or people that are really deep in technology that their perfect world is having nothing to do with technology like they want to go back to nature and run into the woods somewhere and scream so one one i'm actually facing this i don't know if it's a problem or what it is maybe it's actually a positive thing but i'll i mean i'm starting to have entire evenings and entire weekends where I either get up the next morning or I get up on Monday morning and I look at my, my backpack and I have not touched that thing since I got home. Mm. So I'll go a whole weekend or the whole evening. And that's that, good. The computer does not come out of the backpack. That's good. That's and, it's just, and mainly just because I'm just like, I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to touch it. <laughs> you know, I've got, I mean, if I need to look, I mean, like I can look stuff up on the web with my phone or to do Facebook. Oh, so or you haven't given up on technology? No, I haven't. It's just, but when it comes to, my, the computer is becoming more and more like exclusively a work thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can get a lot of my personal and social stuff done on my phone. Unlike Benioff, I cannot run my business from my phone. I have to have a computer. That was his watch. Because I actually have to do work. <laughs> you have to actually program yourself out of a job. Yeah. See, see, no one pays to listen to us talk about the fourth industrial revolution. <laughs> he gets paid to talk about that. He gets paid billions. Yeah. Uh, anyway, right. um, well, let's let's uh, let's do this community thing. Okay. We uh, also I, and I we talked about this off the air briefly. John and I had a, a brief just uh, ad hoc meeting, but and so we're not, I'm definitely not about. signing us up or, or promising anything. But I thought it would have been cool, especially this week. Oh yeah. To, to have had like three or four people just from the community come come on the show, like we'll just Skype them in, and like mm-hmm. short segments, like maybe 15 minutes. To talk about, because there's th- several people who have like really kind of insightful information about some different thing that they either learned at Dreamforce or was announced at Dreamforce or whatever. And it would have been cool to get their perspective. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, I don't know, we might still try that. So you put an open call out for people to DM Mr. I, Ross? I already have ideas of, I think. Oh, so it's invite only. It's kind of, I mean, if you, <laughs> I don't know, I would say if you, uh, if you feel like you've got something you'd, you'd like to come on and share, yeah, let us know. But I already, I mean, I think I already have ideas of, it, of two or three, but it's flexible. If it ever happens. I don't see why not. It, it just takes work to coordinate and plan, and not everyone can take off a Wednesday afternoon and That's true. talk. <clears throat> we are, what's it called? Oh, we're privileged. It's our, uh, it's our privilege showing through. For, for now. <laughs> My schedules tend to change. I, you, I, I sure don't feel privileged. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, because uh, on on heavy work weeks, which this isn't a heavy work week for me, so I'm kind of breathing a little bit easier. But um, on heavy work weeks, we do the podcast. I come in, we do the podcast, we get it all published, and then I go home and I sit at my desk and work until, yeah, until like late in the morning. Hour. Yeah, you're so, so privileged, John. I'm privileged. Yeah, yeah. you're privileged that you gotta get love to... that that working from home and privileged. I mean, I guess I mean schedule, I, right? I don't, and I don't really. I never know what privilege means. It's like I mean, I guess it's. I guess I'm privileged that I have work that yeah. that pays decently and. Yeah. Because some people don't have work. I mean, 
Yeah. Of course, now our, our unemployment rate's so incredibly low. It's like, who, who doesn't have work? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I think we're privileged that we, we're living in, a, I, think what, I think it seems like a fascinating time to live. I mean, you got, you know, the internet, right, and computers and... And, and we have and our Dick Tracy watches. We have, we have we official we have, we do. Dick Tracy watches. We have Dick Tracy watches. We have supercomputers in our pockets with... The highest quality cameras that oh wait as, as the media likes exist. as the media likes to portray them, you have more computing power in your phone than than what got us to the moon. And one of the most important that's true that that was true like ten years ago I think though yeah. I think, but I think uh, most importantly we are living in the golden age of television, and by television I mean, you know net you know whether it's broadcast or. Cable TV or Netflix, Prime Video, those, you know, Hulu, whatever. They're, they're, they're yeah. originals. Just TV shows, you know, 60, 30 minute to 60 minute TV shows, whether they're, you know, some kind of series or whatever. Well, that's, I, well, for, it's, it's ideal for me because they, especially with Netflix, because the entire series comes out at once and I can just binge it. Right. And that's probably the only way I'm going to watch something because I've always liked, I've never liked episodic things. So I've, that's, that's why I like sitcoms because they have a beginning and an end. There might be some running theme to it but pretty much the show starts with some issue and and, and yeah. it gets resolved have i don't thought, like being having to tune in next week for the next thing or but, being hooked so have I you thought like about that. this aspect of it which is especially the shows before you before there was such thing as binging or even the shows that still come out once a week and you can't binge them or at least not mm -hmm. not in real time um have you thought about the fact that maybe those the way those shows were written and produced that they're they're done so in in a, such a way that you're intended to think about this for a week. Like you think about what happened. You read synopses. You, th you just, I mean, you just, you know, you're, you, you sleep and your brain, you know, all the stuff that happens when you sleep with your, the information that's in your you know, brain file stuff away or whatever. And like mm -hmm. you get up the next day and you, you know, you think about it and it's, you think differently about it. And like, there's just supposed to be that process that happens over a week. And then when you watch the next episode, like, okay, now you're ready. And they were, the shows were written that way, knowing that, you're going to have time in between to think about this. And nowadays, I see that. Go, I see you know, that. House I, of Cards comes out, and you can just watch, you know, eight or well, how many, 13 episodes back to back to back without stopping to think and talk to friends around the water cooler and read the synopsis on the internet. Because I don't know about you, because I, I, I don't know, I think I have ADD anyway, so it, it, I have a hard time paying attention to stuff. Mm -hmm. But I, I, on a lot of shows, especially ones that are they're the more kind of, either information dance or even the ones that are kind of like oh, what's the what's the proper uh, uh, safe term for uh mind fitbit not to mark that but <laughs> you know what i mean like those kind of, those kind of shows that you really i mean there's just no way you're going to get everything by watching it you're going to have to go yeah. back you're going to there's stuff there's going to be important stuff that you miss and you've just got to either talk about it with your friends or you've got to go back and read those synopses i guess i i just want I guess it depends on what you want to get out of that content. For me, I, I like the emotional journey. I like being able to experience all the emotions at once versus experiencing the emotion of watching something, having to stop, and then try to pick that emotion back up yeah. and watch it again. And the cliffhangers where they make you wait a week. Yeah. I mean, doesn't that anticipation, isn't that... No, it just annoys you know, me. Like, it annoys me. What's, what's the saying? Because now I have a commitment. Now I have an obligation to try to watch it if I want to finish my emotional journey with this experience. Doesn't time make the heart grow fonder of TV shows, John? But I'm not marrying a TV show. Right. <laughs> I'm married to my wife. I'll, I'll do that with her, not with the TV show. <laughs> I don't know. I I wonder if we're if it's just feeding our our need for instant gratification. We can't wait for anything. 
I, I can see that for certain people, but for me, I just I don't have a not lot for of you time. though. You, you're no, no. You're, you're not, I, I don't have a lot of time. You're not susceptible so to that. I don't have a lot of time. Like there's there's even video games that I would love to play and would love to start to play to start to play, but I know I can't sit in one sitting and play it all the way to the end. So I never start it because I don't want to. I don't have the time, so I don't want to like play it and then have to pick it up two weeks later and try to play it again. Not or only worse. are my skills and reflexes out of tune. But then I have to get back into the story. Yeah. So I try to find like some kind of spread of time where I might be able to play. Or worse, you kind of get hooked on it and you end up spending more time on it than you right. should. That's, I, I'll, I'll no, that's my concern. And I don't, I just don't do games because of that. I don't, I don't know. It's not what your phone says. You know, your phone's tracking you now. The time tracking thing? Yeah. 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 It's, I've already gotten my first weekly update and <laughs> boy, it's, what does it say about it's you? It's a shame. I don't even want to talk about it. It's a shaming experience. <laughs> All right, well, we said we're going to do this community thing because someone did send us some topics, so um, uh, anonymous. So we're going to do this anonymously. Okay. Uh, I think this is kind of a quiz format. Uh, first question is Metallica or Janet Jackson? I'm assuming that's a question on whether or not who would we prefer to see at uh, Dreamforce. Would it be Metallica or Janet Jackson? Well, we've seen Metallica a number of times, right? Yeah. And with Janet, there's always that 1% chance you might get to see something again. Oh, God. God, she's a, she's she's a grandma okay so <laughs> the heart does not un- know age jeremy oh, it doesn't <laughs> and uh you know if you talk to the and i'm not a metallica nerd but if you talk to the metallica nerds i'll tell you that after what was it after master of puppets i don't know but i think it was their fourth album that uh, they sold out ever after that and it's you know not the same yeah I, I think every group goes through that i guess i don't know i think i think you could argue that some don't Maybe. I think a lot of successful bands, especially ones that have reached their status, is, is g- at some point being considered a sellout. I'm going to say neither. Neither. I've seen both of them, and I saw Janet Jackson during her Rhythm Nation tour. In, I think I was in seventh or seventh, eighth grade, so that would have been, uh, how old are you in seventh? Twelve? Thirteen? Something like that? I guess, yeah. So that would have been uh, 80, late 80s. Yeah. I never saw Janet Jackson. I saw NC Hammer. Oh my god. <laughs> I saw Boys to Men, and it was the two oh, legit. Wow. It was the two legit tour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, too legit. But, yeah, too oh, legit I, to quit. Yes, I know too legit, John. But I, I went to see Boys to Men, not MC Hammer. But you know, I always liked Boys to Men. They were they were good back in the nineties. Eh, I think it's nineties, yeah. early nineties. Yeah, I loved Boys to Men. That was my that was my thing back then. And how many graduate? How many schools? of their graduating classes had hard to say goodbye as their uh oh yeah as the song that plays at after graduation is, or whatever which is weird because that's a song about death isn't it probably it's, so it's, but it's it's a song about someone passing away oh, is it okay. i think i don't even know that's what i thought it was it, it plays at funerals too or people at the time played yeah. at a lot of funerals yeah uh, all right next question i think this is a trick question either that or this is a typo but uh it's uh I'll read it as it was written. Meta the Goose or Max the Mule? And so these are mascots. Salesforce mascots. And here, uh, I'll let you pick your preference. You prefer Meta or Mule? Meta the what? Meta the Goose. Why is there a goose? That's what I thought. And I was like, I've never seen a goose. Is the goose one of the mascots? It turns out, I think what they meant to write was Meta the Moose. So there's a moose. Um... So I get the mule thing. That would be the MuleSoft mascot, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's not, it's not MuleSoft anymore. It's the integration cloud. No. No. Oh, we've changed again? No. We've debranded. No. It is not cloud. It is not a cloud. It is integration. Period. 
well, they, they did call it the integration cloud. They shouldn't have. Unless they change the messaging, because I mean, I guess you, at at the partner, we, this was one of the few things I was privy to was the name change, and it was that they weren't. It wasn't going to be a cloud, and they weren't going to refer to it as a cloud. It was going to be just integration. So you'll see the Mule logo, and then underneath it, you'll see integration. You won't see cloud. And I wonder if that's because it, it's it's a both on premise and cloud solution, so it's not purely cloud, or maybe they're trying to get away from clouds. Salesforce is maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, John. So, so anyways, I, I thought say, I, I would say Max the Mule, I guess. All right. Well, on that topic, I wanted to, to uh, I wanted to quiz you. I want to see how much you know about these little mascots. You, yeah. you're going to quiz I'm me? Quiz you. Do we need to play some? Yeah, quiz we need music? some music. Okay, let's see if I can do this. I don't even know. I forgot how to do this. <laughs> oh, that's kind of loud in my ears. Is it loud in yours? Yeah, there's, so I have two, on this Farago app, there's a volume A and B. Oh, I guess I can, okay, yeah, I can, I can just switch between the two. Okay. Oh. How's, how's B? That's getting better. All right, so, okay. the, so the idea of this quiz is that I'm going to give you a mascot, and you tell me who they're representing. So each mascot represents a certain cloud or feature of Salesforce. Um, so let's start with an easy one, or it should be easy. What does Astro represent? Uh, sorry. Give me the context again. So these mascots typically represent a part of the community or a feature in Salesforce or a cloud. Right, okay. So I'm going to give you a mascot name. So and like you Chatty, would represent, who apparently has been killed off, I don't know, is, is missing an action. <laughs> it's missing an action, yeah. <laughs> represent a chatter. Got lost on the trail somewhere, yeah. maybe got eaten by wolves, who knows. Um, all right, so, so Astro, who, who does Astro represent? A baseball team. No. No. Um... Oh, what? That's a good question. I have no. Uh, um, is it Trailhead? I have no idea. Kinda, yeah, kinda. It? kinda. Okay. It represents the community. The representative of the certifications. Community. He represents. Certi oh, wait, oh, wait. Sorry, I said he. I have actually no idea, and I know I just committed a <laughs> mortal sin. Actually, you did because I do know their pronouns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mascots do have their own pronoun of course, preferences. Yeah, of course, you know, leave it to Salesforce to make us think about <laughs> the sex of a of a big. To plush doll or fuzzy. What are, what are they? What are these things called? The mascots. Uh, okay. Are, yeah. they, are they creatures or what are they? Fuzzies? Are they bears? They're just mascots. Stuffed animals or what are they? Characters, mascots. Characters, okay. Mascots. All right. So Astro represents the community. Uh, what does Sassy represent? Sa I mean, Sass is in here, his name. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be a she, right? Come on. Nope. I mean, I guess God's going to be Sasa too, right? <laughs> <laughs> Should I tell you their pronouns a little? Should we I do the pronoun so, game yeah, as well? I'm going to get in trouble here. All right, we'll do the pronoun <laughs> game as well. So Sassy's pronoun, and what does it represent? I'll have to guess? Yeah. Uh, no, you're really going to get me in trouble. I can't do this. <laughs> All right, we don't want to do pronouns then. <laughs> but for those that are curious, uh, both Astro and uh, Sassy are they, them for pronouns. Uh, Astro and Sassy. Okay, so they're, that means just like unknown or undetermined, right? They, they're just... Or, yeah. or undecided, I Some, guess. I guess, or non-binary or, or whatever. Confused. Yeah. I mean, I think it non non-binary. I think that means something different. Maybe I'm gonna get myself in trouble. I don't know that stuff. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> it wasn't part of my upbringing. So, um, all right. So, Sassy is representative of the end of software. 
Sassy is the end of software. The end of software. Okay. Well, because there was no oh, software. It's no software. a concept, not a product or a feature or anything. Okay. Well, that's, I know that's, that's, that's community concepts. So well, because the end well, of software. Sassy suffers from grandfather mascot, the first mascot ever. All right, right. this okay. one should be easy. You should know this one. Cody, Cody the bear. Um, represents uh, process builders. Represents developers close, since developers is. Inclusive of everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Cloudy the goat. Oh, we have a goat? Do we, we have really a goat? have a goat? We have a goat. Cloudy the goat. Oh, wow. I love goats. Um, I'm going to say mindfulness because of goat yoga. <laughs> There's a goat yoga? You don't know about goat yoga? No. Oh, my gosh. You need to Google this. Okay. Yeah, like Sarah's been to many of these goat yoga things. It's where um, you do yoga. Uh-huh. But they release all these, usually baby goats, and they just crawl all over you. So you'll be in like a hunched over position. And they'll just what? Like, they crawl up on your back. and Is there like a puppy yoga and kitty cat, baby kitty probably, kitten I yoga? Just, I, think, I think goats are funny, though. I think that's why they do goats. And they'll just like jump from person to person. And yeah. What? Yeah. That's weird. That's a thing? You're that's, not lying to no, me? No, it's everywhere. I guarantee you there are several places in your town you live in that you can go to do goat yoga. Ask All your right. wife. She'll know. Well, Cloudy the Goat represents admins. So therefore, Jeremy loves goats. Jeremy loves admins. Admins. So admins. Goat, admins are goats. Oh, I know why. Because admins are the greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. Oh, goat. Acronym. All right. Yeah. Got it. All right. Appy. Appy the Bobcat. What does Appy the Bobcat represent? Well, just based on the... I don't, know, I don't get the Bobcat thing. I also don't get the goat... Well, no, the goat makes sense. Greatest of all time, right? Uh, Bobcat. Well, just based on the name Appy, I mean, I'm, that's got to represent apps or the app exchange, maybe? That's what I thought, too. But in here, and this is an official post from someone who manages these mascots, uh, represents representative of partners. And I guess partners uh, create the, app, the apps for the app exchange, so... Yeah. Customers can, too, can't they? I guess. I, mean, I don't know. Uh, also, a little bit of trivia. This this mascot has a given name, and it's Appygale. Appygale. Appygale? With a P. Okay. Well, why uh, is she special? Or is it a... Is it a she? Uh, it's a she. Okay. It's a she. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Cloudy the goat is a she as well, I if you're curious. correctly. And uh, Cody the bear is a he. Okay. Should have been a she. If we're trying to encourage girls to get into development, should have made that's Cody true. a she. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Can't win. And stick to the stereotypes, I guess. <laughs> Einstein. Who does Einstein represent? Who does he represent? Yeah. Himself, right? No. Are you sure it's not a what does he represent? Mm, so, yeah, maybe a what. Maybe what's a better way to put it. Artificial that. intelligence? Pretty much. Okay. AI innovation at Salesforce. Okay. Uh, Blaze. Blaze the wolf. The wolf? The wolf. There's a wolf. His name is Blaze. Blaze. Blaze the wolf. Dang it. I don't know. By the I, way, I can't think Einstein, of anything. Einstein is a him. Right, okay. Uh, Blaze is a she. Blaze is a she. Blaze the wolf. Wolf. Wolf's guard things, maybe? No, they don't guard things. They, they need to be guarded from. They're... they're Vicious, violent, Whoa. murderous animals. Whoa. So, oh, oh, <laughs> represents Oracle. 
<laughs> so Blaze represents cloud services, and interestingly enough, they do list the qualities of these animals, and uh, Blaze's qualities is faithful, nurturing, keen, intelligent, instinctive, and intuitive. And you went completely opposite. <laughs> sure did. Uh, I didn't know this one existed. Ernie the Badger. Ernie. Yeah. Well, hmm. Ernie the Badger. What do badgers do? They bug the crap out of you. I always tell my kids, don't badger me. They really bug you. Um, yeah. Who bugs you in the Salesforce world? Who doesn't bug you in the Salesforce world? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, this one's so obvious. Oh, It's got to be something around badgering people, bugging them. Ernie the Badger. Say it. Say it fast five earn, times. Earn, Ernie the Badger. Oh, uh, Trailhead. <laughs> trailhead. Say it, say it five times fast and see what you say. Ernie the Badger, Ernie the Badger, Ernie the Badger, Ernie the Badger, Ernie the Badger. Earning the badges. Yeah, earn, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, there you go. So yeah, uh, represents uh, badges. It's a she. And she has a given name, Ernestina. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, was a re- this, one, this okay, next one's a, a real one. I need a repeat on this one. On which one? The, the current one. I was too busy trying to find a Oh, clip. on the name? Yeah. Uh, Ernestina is her name. Is she, what is she? She's a badger. And she's representative of trailblazing badgers. I thought we had... Uh, we, we already had a... But Ernie the... Okay. Ernie and... We have two... We have an Ernie and an Ernestina? No, we just did the badger. No. So Ernie the badger, but there's a given name for that badger, and it's Ernestina. Oh, okay. Just like Appy is Appy Kale. Okay. I'm not sure what the differences are. This right. one I did not know existed, and it's a real thing. So when I say it, don't laugh. Who do you make owl face the owl? What's the question? The the next mascot is Hootie McOwl face. Oh, Hootie McOwl face. Okay, yeah. that's a real thing. It's a he. So owls warn you of things, right? They hoot when something's wrong. They could also be considered smart, intelligent, and knowledgeable, yeah. and wise. So what do you think that represents? They can spin their heads around. <clears throat> mm. You want to spin your heads around. Knowledge-wise, um, since everyone, since CTA seems to, be, seem to be the topic du jour now, maybe CTAs? Skills and credentials. <laughs> okay, well, that's, I'm, I'm going to give myself half credit, partial credit yeah, on give that Give you credit one. for that one. <laughs> All right, Meta the Moose. It's got to be obvious. Meta, the moose, represents the scalable metadata platform. Actually, no. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, representative of engineering and architecture. Okay. I would have thought the metadata API, but... Uh, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> he also has a given name. Uh, his given name, or nickname, strange, is Chocolate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another one I did not existed. Koa the dog. Koa. Yeah. It's a he. It represents Salesforce's certificate of authenticity. I spelled COA. Oh, is it KOA? KOA. Oh, that's camping. Okay, I was thinking COA. Um, camping, right? It's got to represent Trailhead. Uh, he, he's representative of love and longevity, but this is the only mascot with an official title. It's a C-level title. Okay. He's the chief love officer. Okay. The CLO. <laughs> so uh, anyone that sees Koa, he's the chief love officer. Oh, that's, that's, uh, and that's the end. <laughs> it's so special. <laughs> All right. More than you ever wanted to know. 
more than you ever wanted yeah. to know about uh, Salesforce that mascots. A, a throttling segment there. It John. was. <clears throat> uh, all right. Did we finish our uh, the the? No, we got the, we got more. Okay. <laughs> this one is right up your alley. Okay. So we're getting right back into developer stuff. Uh, the question is, um, I'm not a developer. Can you please explain the namespace issue? Um. Yes. Let's say that uh, you're a, you have an org, and the and due to the nature of your business, uh, users have to create a lot of documents mm-hmm. of all different types. Um, lots of users. Let's say you have you know hundreds of users. So you, big org, big company, big Salesforce you know initiative, and but there are no document folders. So all of your hundreds of users have to decide how they, they all name thing, name their documents in a way that you can find things. You don't have duplicate names or names that are so similar and that you can somehow put your documents that are related to each other. Like say you're working on a certain project, you want to have all your documents for that project. You would have had them in the same folder, but there are no folders. So now you have to come up with naming conventions for your documents. And uh, yeah, you just have this problem of... Uh, you just have one place to put everything, and, and not just not just organizationally, but also if you wanted to allow only certain people to see those documents. Like, say you were on a sensitive project, a confidential project, by the way, and you only wanted to let certain people see those fi- the files. Right. And so this is only one aspect of the other problem. <clears throat> the other problem has to do with the dependencies. And I guess a metaphor I could come up with that would be, you know, how in with Excel spreadsheets you can actually have. But this is back when people did Excel files on their hard drive. Mm-hmm. You could have one Excel file that re- referenced cells from another Excel file. Right. Right? And let's say, so knowing that, let's say that that's possible in Salesforce. You can upload a bunch of Excel files into the documents, and, and you, could, you could create one Excel file that refers to another Excel file that's in your documents and re- reference cells from it. And let's say, you know, you have the problem of, because so, this creates a problem. Of, let's say you, you've got an Excel file that you want to put in, but you don't want, you don't want anyone depending on it because you're, you don't want to be responsible for it. It's just a, it's a quick and dirty Excel thing, you, but you just need to get it in documents so it's stored. Um, but it's not going to be maintained. And you don't want anyone, you don't, you're not signing up for maintaining this thing over time. Mm-hmm. You're not signing up for it being even accurate. You don't want to be. You don't want anyone blaming you for it's not accurate. It's not up to date, or you should have blah blah blah. You should have known, or any of that kind of crap. You, but you can't prevent that because as soon as you upload into documents, other people can create Excel's and upload them that refer to the cells in your Excel that you created. Mm-hmm. And there's just no preventing that. And this is what we call the happy soup of documents. That's a pretty good <laughs> analogy because I think a lot of people do know Excel well enough to know that they can do that. The 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 dependency thing is the bigger problem. Yeah. And this is something that a lot of Salesforce developers don't quite understand because a lot of them grew up. I mean, they learned how to become a developer in the Salesforce space, so they don't understand how other, you know, like programming languages or platforms or whatever solve mm-hmm. this and how this is a, a, it is a solvable problem. It should be something that you solve on any non-trivial project. You really should think about dependencies and they, they really matter, especially when, if, especially when your software gets more complex and it's made up of different modules mm-hmm. and each, you know, you have to, um, you know, a module's dependencies are very important and what it depends on are important. They've all got to be installed or configured in the right way and as a part of the system. Stuff else is very important. In the Salesforce world, they just basically tell you don't think about that. 
just everything's in a big public namespace essentially, and everything is everything can be dependent on from something something else. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the new packaging stuff. I don't know if that if it helps with any of that really. I think some to some degree, but those are really like packages are a really heavy weight compared to like a C sharp namespace or a Java what Java calls packages or whatever. Those are just simply. I mean, it's basically just like a text name for something. It's not um, this heavyweight package that requires you like basically clicking through a bunch of stuff in a UI to create a new package and assign it, you know, register and assign and, and pick the type and, you know, all right. this stuff. It's, uh, but to be clear, packages do get a namespace. So when you create a managed package, you configure it with a namespace. True. So each package gets um, its own namespace. So, and again, that's where I'm, I'm not up to date on all the latest package stuff. I know they can. I don't know they have to have a namespace. Like, uh, do unlocked packages? Because I know the old, what we used to call unmanaged packages, like no namespace. Unmanaged don't. I don't know about unlocked. I don't know. I haven't looked into yeah. those. But So I, I think from what, I've, from what I do know about some of the new packaging stuff, they do, it does somewhat solve some of that problem, but just not in a... Well, managed packages still get a namespace. I don't know that packages, the new packages, to packaging 2.0, I don't know right. if it adds any new namespacing capability. But either way, there is a concept of code isolation with packaging. Yeah, and so let me explain to you why that historically has not, it does not work and is not good enough. Um, typically, when you, like, let's say you're, you're an ISV and you want to create a product that people buy on the App Exchange, right? What do you do? You create a managed package and you build mm-hmm. your whole app. I mean, I, and I know people don't have to write in. I know you can actually compose your app or have add-on packages, but generally speaking, like the 90% use case is you build your whole app in a managed package and you put that up on the app exchange. Mm-hmm. It goes through security review, it gets listed, you put create your publishing profile and you get it all right and you make your videos and that's what people install, download, and pay for. Mm-hmm. And that's one name, you get one namespace. Right. So that, again, doesn't solve the problem we're talking about really at all. And I think for smaller, pro- smaller projects, it's not an issue, but once you start growing and scaling in size and you have a lot of you know exactly you go from 10 classes yeah. to hundreds uh, of right, classes right. i mean let's i mean organization becomes important but also managing dependencies and code isolation and all those kind of things matter i've seen really useful packages that have maybe 10 classes do you need namespaces for those probably i mean it's could you use a namespace in those you, you could i mean I, I could see you having two or three maybe well, even on smaller products. But if you don't have namespaces, if you only have 10 classes, is that going to be any kind of big problem? No, it's not. But if you have 100 or 1,000 or thousands of classes, it's a gigantic problem. But as a best practice, if you have namespaces, it's better to use them. And by that, I mean just preventing naming conflicts with other libraries. Even, in, even like in my .NET world where I do have access to namespaces, I'm traditionally .NET developer, I would always have something in a, in a folder representing a namespace. Right, yeah. Um, because I, I want to call something account, or I want to call something, I don't know, stream reader. Right. But it would be in my own, my own namespace, and it wouldn't conflict with system yeah. IO stream yeah. reader. Right, yeah, you know, in, in your, um, yeah, right, in your, in your, maybe in your data layer, data layer you have some, um, some iterator. I mean, you can just call it iterator, because mm-hmm. it's not going to conflict with your maybe an iterator class you have in like in some UI package. Right. You don't have to come up with these long, distinct, unique names for things. They're, they're named appropriately for the context they live in. Right. Yep. And it also goes back to, it's a similar concept of 
of naming things. I mean, because this is actually that's another problem that the lack of namespaces problem, lack of namespaces causes is it just makes naming things much more difficult. Because there's a there's a I don't know if it's like a rule of thumb or it's really it's really kind of a um, I guess a, a like a relationship corollary or correlation type kind of thing. The longer lived or the bigger the scope of something is, mm-hmm. really the longer the name should be. The bigger, more independent, descri- like describing the, the name should be. Right. Wow, my words are not working well today. Words are hard, <laughs> folks. Um, Having said that, there are ways to misuse namespaces. I mean, oh, you, absolutely. You can create oh, long yeah. chaining names with a path that's just way too long and, and not very useful. Or it just segments and does things in ways that just aren't valuable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and, and modularizing software is is a uh, difficult skill. It's important, but it's, I mean, this is, this is, it gets back to software design, you know, this is, this is not easy stuff. I mean, this, this is separates the, you know, kids from the adults. Yeah. So to speak. It's also where concepts like private, private or public classes really come into play. Like we have that concept now, but it's kind of like, it doesn't really mean much in the Salesforce world unless you start getting into a package and you have that namespace. But in namespacing, that holds tremendous value. Public, private, friend. Mm -hmm. And, and back to my, like, you know, I just want to finish the idea on, like, the, the bigger or longer of the scope of something, the, the, the longer and more descriptive its name is. Let's, let's say you have a, a class that fits on one screen. Um, but inside it, you have a, an inner class. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we call them, an apex nested or inner? I think we call them inners. Okay. And let's say it's, like, the, that inner one's, like, four lines. Just, like, a simple data holder structure. Maybe some just, like, a data structure. Like, you can name that almost whatever you want to. You can just call it wrapper. Like, say it's something that wraps to that subject. You can literally yeah. just call it wrapper because... That the name of that inner class, in the context of its parent class, is a beautifully simple yet, yet totally uh, acceptable name for it. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't like if your outer class was account manager, and your inner class you just called wrapper. You're good, right? Mm-hmm. But if you but if you if you name the inner class account wrapper, well that maybe that's kind of redundant. Like it's does it hurt to have that? No, but but you can. It totally just makes sense to call it wrapper because it's context, that class it lives in. And the name of that class right. really provides exactly the, is, I mean, it's, it's like documentation. Like, I, I'm not an, I mean, you know, I'm not like one of these guys that's like, oh, you shouldn't need any documentation. I'm always just like, I, I want just enough documentation. Right. Because anytime you create too much documentation or you name, you know, you, things get brittle. I mean, there's, there's, there's more that can go wrong. The more documentation you have, the more stuff goes wrong. The more the documentation's wrong. The more, right. you know, the more faith people put in it because, wow, look how big and long and look how much time they spent it on that. It must be right, right? No, actually, I think the, the correlation is the opposite way. Right. The more is going to be wrong in there and stale and self-contradictory. I'm, you're really getting me in rant mode here. You probably should <laughs> redirect me to the next question. Hopefully well, that, hopefully that describes... I, I kind of want to pop the stack on namespaces and give it a more admin-friendly... Um, not that Excel wasn't, but I I think one good example would be, um, just think about S objects or when you configure an object in Salesforce, every object can have an ID. Every object can have a field called name. And if you think of it that way, the way you access the, you can say account.name, you can say contact.name, but without having that account or contact as an object, a namespace, you would only be able to have name in the system once. Yeah. Or what if there were no custom objects? It was just custom fields. Yeah, and you'd have to every custom. Field, I mean, your custom field would have that, to be that's called even better. account mailing. Essentially, street. what like, we have is is one S object, and all the names yeah. for everything you right. would ever want to store mm-hmm. is in one list. Yeah, and they have to be unique. 
So that describes the naming problem. I, I did want to also try to describe the that dependency problem, which is a probably harder to understand. And yeah, but on but actually, at some point, becomes the more important problem. Yeah. All right. So Go last on. last question, last community question. Um, did you watch the developer keynote? And do you have any thoughts? I have not watched anything. Did you not watch the developer keynote as it was going no. on? Uh-uh. I did. I, well, I watched. Well, I was in and out of it, but apparently, I didn't miss much because I think I caught all the main notes, which was. I don't know if I expect too much from the keynotes. Maybe I do. I've been I, trained not to. I don't think that. I think they've got us trained to not expect well, a lot from the I, keynotes. You know, the Trailhead keynote wasn't too bad. I mean, we got to see some things. It was really high level, which I I <clears throat> I expect from a keynote to be really high level. But the developer keynote felt more like just a series of of advertisements than it did. Here's some some really nice features that we want you to explore. It was just so high level and yeah. so so much like a marketing thing. I think I think two things. One, the developer keynote is really big um, in terms of like just how many people attend it and how much you know press coverage or whatever it gets. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. I'm totally rolling my eyes here. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say about it? I forget now. Oh, and also the fact that what Salesforce calls developers aren't really developers. I think that's one reason why we don't get a lot of it in the developer, developer keynote. But what was the keynote that happened before the developer keynote that Wade and someone else did? That I think it was maybe, was it Chris Peterson? I can't remember. That it was Wade and, and someone else that had a, a session. I think it was probably a, you know, one of these bigger sessions. Mm-hmm. And they just like, I don't know if they necessarily announced that much. Maybe they did. Maybe that's where they kind of alluded to um, anonymous classes and maybe. some other things. But, you know, the... Actual developers it seems like got a lot more out of that session than they did the actual developer keynote. Yeah, maybe I'm just expecting too much out of the keynotes. I'm, again, it, my expectations are much lower than than ever than they ever have been. I, I feel like it's just getting worse for me. Yeah, and and I I don't know. I mean, I, I think what it, you know, Dreamforce is one of those things like Dreamforce. You got to figure out how to get the most value out of them for you, for where you at, for how you learn, for mm-hmm. just you know what you want to do. And the one thing that I learned early on, and this is, I mean, you've heard a million people say this, but I've, I've learned to like, don't go to as many, you know, be really selective on which sessions you go to, including, including the keynotes. You know, you're probably not going to get new stuff out of the keynotes, but if you, if you're all raw, raw, and you think it's the most amazing thing in the world that someone has a golden hoodie now, then we go to the keynotes, <laughs> you know? I want a golden hoodie. Well, <laughs> you got a lot of work to do, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, no, I'm kidding. I don't. But no, I, I learned that I, I get much more value out of uh, you know being really selective about the sessions I go to, and then spending my free time like either trying to track people down and asking questions about the session I did go to, or just uh, networking and and finding out the actual more interesting information that 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 people know about that's just not in sessions or they can't you know whatever that stuff that's not yeah but that really stuff announcing. isn't isn't available online and i guess from my perspective no, it's not, as which someone is why who's you, sitting at home which is part of the pull of actually still going to those events is like you know. Yeah. I, I I liked Trailhead X, Trailhead DX, sorry, better. I have a feeling it's going to grow in size and it's not going to be my pl- my scene anymore. But for now, it's my scene because I felt like not only did I get to meet a lot of great developers, the content was really good. And and I'm not just talking about the stuff that we participated in, but the other aspects of it were really good. It, I felt I felt, even though there was still a bigger presence for citizen developer, it still felt like developers were getting coverage as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's only natural that it's going to get bigger and it's the percentage that's focused on actual developer stuff is will go down over time. But that being said, I think it'll still be a much better event for developers than, than Dreamforce is. Mm-hmm. 
but what do I know? I haven't been to Dreamforce in years. Well, my, my, my initial reaction as soon as it finished was very disappointing. I, 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 I don't know why. I don't know I don't why. Because I don't know what you expected. They, they, nev- I, they don't use Dreamforce for announcements anymore. They haven't for years. They don't. They pretty much release everything a week or so, or you yeah. get little rumors of stuff, and that ends up being what they announce. And Yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. I guess I always... I miss the days when you did get some big announcement, and you, you were kind of clueless about what was going to be on the, sh- on the big stage, and you were somewhat... I mean, I remember when Visual Force was announced. I mean, that was, that was an exciting event. Yeah, were you there for that? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no, I definitely was. And I got to use it like a few months later. I think I was. I think I was on a project that was piloted for it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I got to use it pretty quickly. So it was. It was a nice thing. Mm. Old, that stuff doesn't JSF. happen. JSF. That stuff doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> good old JSF been deprecated for what ten years now. <laughs> of course, I guess Virtual Force is deprecated too. So I, I can't keep dog and Salesforce for that. That's still the thing right now. It's still a thing right now. Visual, uh, I'm sorry, I, you, Visual Force is still a thing. I don't know. No, you can't get away from it. I mean, you still have to use it for certain things, but yeah, yeah. Can't lightning all the things yet. Nope. We're getting there. Yeah. Um. So that's it for developer con- content. Uh, developer community content. <laughs> um. Would you like to tell us how we can how others can submit content? <laughs> wow, that was an amazing setup there, John. <laughs> It's because I was trying to find my. Ne- I was vamping to try to find my next topic. Uh, yeah, if you would like to submit to us uh, just these fun little topics or questions to discuss or whatever, or if you just want to complain privately or or whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, you can send us an email info at gooddayserpodcast dot com. Nice. Yep. Nice pickup after I fumbled it. <laughs> uh, so my next topic, um, it, it's really around JavaScript, and I know you haven't gotten into Lightning much, and I know you're. A, you're probably about to head that way. It's inevitable. Is it true that you cannot, you're still stuck with, what is it? Like the old version of JavaScript? With yeah, that that's, that's exactly my... Now, explain to me this, because I still work on projects where the end compiled product is ES5. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. ES5. It, it is ES5. Right. And that has some implications, like there's certain, there's, there are certain um, ES6 or whatever we call it, ES2015, or I don't know what the... Yeah, I think Whatever. ES6 and ES2015 are the same. There are certain features that, and this is a very small percentage of them, that you have to be careful on or, or that you just can't, completely can't use either the, w- without like some kind of um, shim of some sort. But for the most part... Shiv. Sh- yeah, shiv. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, it all works fine. You really don't have to worry that much about it. You can write in you know, the nicer new JavaScript and it just all kind of transpiles down to stuff that uh, is compatible across really old browsers, which is great. If you're trying to support really old browsers, but Salesforce, as of December, and this is what's this is actually this is exactly what I want to talk about, um, deprecated support for what was it IE11, and that was the last holdout I thought for ES6. You know the the, and the reason people have been continuing to support IE11 is because it's the last, and I'm going to get my Windows versions wrong here, but it's like it's the last or it's the most recent browser that is supported on certain Windows operating systems, right? And they still have access to Edge though. No, I don't think they will run Edge. Oh, really? Like, and I'm not even sure which ones that would be. Would it be XP? XP is way too old, right? Oh, you shouldn't be on XP anymore. What was after XP? I don't remember. Maybe, is it like, like I mean, because can Windows... Wasn't, didn't Windows 7 come out? Was it Windows 7? After, after XP? Yeah, or? I think so. So does, will Windows 7 run Edge? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. So I, I, I thought I that's why people were hanging on to i11 so, so long, this, because 
It was, well, yeah, because eight and nine both suck, but ten is is well, and even better. even the old Microsoft Windows operating systems could upgrade to IE eleven. So that's why we can drop ten because you can on your computer you can upgrade that thing to IE eleven, mm-hmm. but you can't go past that. So that's why people were still supporting IE eleven. Well, so I mean, Salesforce as a as a platform. Now, that, this doesn't mean that if you're writing a community app that you can just go full hog and ignore IE users because obviously you want to reach as many people as you want as you can, which which is kind can of a edge in that. Because why can't you ignore IE users now? I mean, Salesforce is about to. Well, let's well let's talk about that because that's one of my questions: is is if you're writing a community site for Salesforce users, people on your company in your company using Salesforce, it's easy to say. Use Chrome or use this browser because mm-hmm. we control your computers. They're right. our computers, not your computer. Use this browser. It's compatible with all the software we use. But you can't necessarily dictate to all your customers who you want to access your, your portal to do that. Right. And if you're using a Lightning system and Salesforce does not support IE11, does that mean you shouldn't be using a Lightning com- community? I guess so. Huh. But I, didn't get, I still haven't gotten to ask my question. Okay. Which is, since you know more about Lightning than I do, that is to say you know something about Lightning. I know 1% more than you do. <laughs> yeah. um, why can't you write in ES2015 uh, and just have it transpiled down to ES5? You can. If, if it requires, okay. So yeah, I mean, could, I mean can't we do like a, a gulp or a, a webpack mm-hmm. thing that does this and it... And it and lightning, whatever this lightning JavaScript compiler, whatever that what I don't know how you get your light your JavaScript in there, but that will accept it because it's it it's actually ES five. Mm-hmm. You can if you okay. tool it that way. If you're if you're just the the novice or grew up in Salesforce technology and you're still using Developer Console to create your lightning components, oh, you're, you have well, no first, chance of yeah, doing that. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean it, yeah. the tooling is there. You can you can. You're just writing JavaScript files. You mm-hmm. can you can manipulate those and have it spit out a new file that gets pushed to Salesforce. It's, that's certainly possible. Because I'm assuming, like, let's say you're doing um, Illuminated Cloud or VS Code, any kind of basically on your on your machine development, mm-hmm. you can have a you can have a like a um, these tasks if you want to that are even the even the automatic ones. As soon as they notice that you change a JavaScript file, like mm-hmm. it kicks off your little build again. Yeah, or just like maybe you don't like that, and you can just you know whenever you're ready, just run in you know npm build or whatever, you know something to to run your process. It's not you know you could you could you could lint it, you could um whatever pretty pretty it. You can run it through a, some kind of check, you can, and then you can then you can transpile it down to ES five. Yeah, and then it, and then put it where it needs to go, and then I don't know what how this works, but package it somehow and then send it to Salesforce. It could all just be an automated thing. I don't know why why are people complaining that you can't. That you can't work in ES twenty fifteen or ES six, whatever it's called, with with Lightning, is because they they just don't they don't have that setup, so they're they're pissed that Salesforce won't accept their raw ES twenty fifteen. I, I don't know. I, I guess I guess for me, it's it's it still feels like I'm I'm still building antiquated code, even though yeah, it tra- it, it gets compiled or transpiled down Why to do something you care? else. Do you do you when you write C sharp, are you looking at the, the bytecode that it gets produced? The IL or whatever it's called? Well no, I mean How think of you, think of it. Care? What's the big you care if the IL is do you even know what version of IL you're compiling down to? <laughs> no. Because it like Java has I don't I don't know, know as much about .NET, but I mean Java's got that. There's like literally it's um 
What is it called? It's like the bytecode version. I can't think what the name of it is. Oh, I know, I know. I, I guess what I'm saying is, is the way JavaScript treats vars, in particular how it treats variables and scoping, is, is very different. And I, I guess I'm assuming... Well, I'm saying, the, no, you can write your app using all your lets and your whatever and your const and whatever. I know. And Because when it transpiles, yeah, it will transpile to vars, but it does so, it does in the way that it, it preserves the semantics of the lets and the consts you used. It just it's uh, it, it would be uh, if you wrote it that way in ES5 it would be kind of ugly. It'd be right, but I think I think okay. So maybe a better way of saying it is the debug process. I mean, e even in technologies like SAS or something like that, where it takes one version of of how you wrote something and transpiles it down. Is, am I using the right word transpile? I think so. Transpiles it down to to CSS. We have to have a separate file that tells you that maps the CSS yeah, to your maps, SAS. Right. Right. Yeah. And, okay. and so I guess what I'm saying is debugging is a little more difficult. Things don't match up, all those kind of stuff. I would, I don't know. I think you would have source maps and you would, I don't know. And maybe you have to create a, uh, maybe someone needs to create a Chrome plugin that when you're running like a lightning, maybe Salesforce has done this. I don't even know. Like there should be something like this. I mean, like Vue and all these different things have these things. They're, they're like tools that, that automatically, you know, pull in your source maps for you. And when you're looking at code of the running app, you're, you're looking at the code you wrote, not the transpiled code. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I guess like, I feel like this is a solvable problem as well. It, it is a solvable problem. I think it's it requires some work and it requires some tooling and it requires your your entire team to be on board versus hey, we're all using ES6, just use what your favorite IDE is. Now you actually have to have a process. But if you're working on something big enough with a team, you should have a process anyways. Right. And if it's not that big, then who cares? You're, it's not it's not big, so just write ES5. Who it can't be that big of a problem that, that you're having to write vars on a really small project. Yeah. So I guess my next question, because one of my original leading questions was going to be, okay, if, if IE11 is not supported anymore, which means we can use ES6 features, and if I was just to start writing ES6 and deploy that to production, what are my gotchas? Okay, sorry, I, I kind of spaced out for a second. Ask again. <laughs> That's, I had to say that whole sentence again. I told you, it's my ADD, man. It's, All right, it's so, so my, my train of thought is that, okay, if, if IE11 is no longer supported as of December 17, mm -hmm. December 2017, which means that all the current browsers do support ES6. There might be some gotchas here and there for right. certain browsers. But for the most part, the, things, the features I want to use are supported. Let's okay. just go with that. Yep. What is the danger of me writing code, JavaScript code, in ES6 and deploying that to production? Well, once Salesforce officially drops support for IE11, I don't think there is a danger. Yeah. And I, I, that, that question is not only for you, but I think for the community of anyone who's actually done this or is looking at doing this. Because I've... I, for the longest time, have avoided flipping the switch because in IntelliJ or Web, um, not Web, um, what's the... VS Code? Oh, WebStorm. WebStorm. There you go. Um, you can tell it what version of, of JavaScript you're using so you don't get all the freaking error notes. Oh, yeah, when you which, which is good because it'll, <clears throat> it'll warn you if you're using like a newer feature than what you want right. to support. Right, so I, I did flip the switch, finally. <laughs> and on just, just playing around in my own development environment, I... Went ahead and let it um, analyze my code and flip everything from VARs to, to stuff, which worked out really well. That tooling is really great. WebStorm or IntelliJ? Yeah, yeah IntelliJ. It's, Web, it's I use so IntelliJ, good. but I'm assuming, yeah. assuming WebStorm uses the same inspector. But I think yeah, it does, yeah. It was, it was incredibly easy for yeah. me to change. All I did was tell it inspect my code and accepted whatever it told me, and everything was good. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So I'm that, looking forward to that day. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do that with Apex code. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
But um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm anxious to get into it. I'm, I, I like using const and, var, and lets. I, I, I just find them so much better. Well, because let is, let is the way that you think variable, variable should work. works. Right. It must, I mean, I think a lot of people, and I certainly have fallen in, I've, I've created many a bugs this way, declaring w variables with a var, not forgetting, what's the, what's the, um, what's that uh, lovely feature of JavaScript, Ho like variable hoisting, right? Yeah. And it's like you don't think about that because in it's just a quirk of JavaScript. I mean, most languages do do not hoist variables. They're not mm -hmm. available or in scope until their declaration point. Right. So yeah, let's work the way you think they should work. <laughs> yeah. Well, the new thing about constants in JavaScript, which is not which is not something I thought of in other languages, and I don't know if this I don't know if this is right or wrong, but it'll it'll use constants inline in a function for very for data that doesn't change obviously okay um but i've never used them that way i've always used them as top line global basically compiler find and replace this value somewhere i've never used them as a variable context so that that's the new thing to me and i don't know if yeah. that's acceptable in java or in c sharp but i've never used oh, them I this definitely way. think so and like it's really common to like if you have a method um with uh you know when when your parameters are declared you declare them all i mean it's pretty good practice to declare them as const so that you don't, it's a, a technique to prevent creating bugs. Because when you go to create that bug, the compiler will stop you and say, oh, that's a const, you can't change this. And it's like, oh, right. I didn't mean to change that. That's a variable that's passed in. I wanted to change a different variable. You know, like, it's almost always a bug if you're trying to assign a new value to a, uh, a, a parameter that has been yeah. passed in. And I think that's always been the kind of mind freak. So I don't cost you editing. Yeah. <laughs> mind Fitbit. Why can't I think of that when I said that? I couldn't think of a good substitute word for some reason. Uh, my mind freak is I, I probably had a bad definition of constants early on when I started learning programming. And that was, for me, constant was, was a command to the compiler that said, take this static value, and anytime you see it in the code, find and replace. And so when it converted to byte, it took that value and actually stuck it in there. So I never thought to, to use it as a Well, you a do know that that sometimes happens, right? So that's, that some, a lot of times the compiler will inline these things. Yeah, but, okay. but I never considered that I could assign it a variable within a function, and it would work just fine. Yeah, it just, yeah. and it does also doesn't have, you said static. It doesn't have to be static. It can be um, non-static uh, variables right. can, be, can be constant as well. Or at least I, have, I have that understanding now, but by, by, back then it was always, here's a, static, here's a static integer, here's a static string, here's, you know, it was, it was set. Yeah, it's yeah. In, in the Java world, it's just you know, and that's why on things like IntelliJ, you can just like type PSF space and it like public static final. It just writes it all out for you because <laughs> you do it so often. Yeah. And so yeah, people. I think a lot of times people associate um, static and final, and final being like the const Java's word for right. const. What? That's a Java thing. That was an Apex thing. Well, both. <laughs> all right, John. Well, I want to wrap up soon because I have. Places to go, people to see, and things to do. Oh, I thought you were going to say beers to drink. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> well, to that, I say, no. We got to do our... Oh, that's right. Well, okay, we <laughs> talked to... So we, uh, uh, the email thing, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Info at gooddaysforpodcast.com. We love getting emails, so please, guys, keep sending those in, guys and gals. I use that term generically. I know some people don't accept that, but I do. I'm sorry. Um, and you know what? I, I don't know if people don't... I, I, I was on a call the other day. I was, was with a couple of women, and I was like, "Okay, thanks, guys." When we got off, and like, no one, no one corrects me. I know it's. I know still, <laughs> some people still think it's it's not right. It's still whatever, but I just I can't help it. 
I don't, I don't, I don't like that we're in this hypersensitive. I don't thing. either, and I don't know why I'm even getting into this because we're talking about the show. But I just want to say, yeah, uh, Jeremy's if, publicly if apologizing I, I now guys, for, for it. For when I say guys, please accept people. my apology. and know that I'm, I'm being, I'm using the term inclusively. Um, what else, um, John? We have a Slack that's pretty awesome. It's you know like 500, 500 people in there. I'm sure that some people are inactive, like you found out, but it's a pretty active group and it's super useful, uh, helpful, and it's funny and it's informative. And if you're not in there and you're listening to me talk right now, what the hell is your problem? <laughs> uh, seriously, no, it's a, it's a fun group and you should join it. And you do that by going to gooddayserpodcast.com and you just click on community and give us your email address. And John will add you manually and then burn your email address so that it does not ever have a chance of getting in the hands of any nefarious types. The evil ones. Yep. You forgot um, the WW, by the way. It's not required. And if you type it in, <laughs> apparently Chrome will hide that anyway. Or if you're on that certain version of Chrome. Do you hear about that? <laughs> no. It's, it's already passed now. They've already fixed this. But this is a controversy a couple of weeks ago. Uh, anything that starts with WWW or uh, like M for like uh, the mobile site, Chrome was just automatically hiding, hiding that. Oh. So people are typing it twice because they think it's not there? Yeah, it's just it's confusing. It's like, uh, are, you're such are they a, doing like mobile.mobile or no, no, www.www? No, like, so if you went to www.gooddayserpodcast.com, Chrome would just immediately change that to gooddayserpodcast.com. And it just would hide in I the I think URL I noticed bar. that, but it didn't matter to me. So Well, they changed it in the very next version because people, you know, the, the internet was outraged. <laughs> As the internet does. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we need reviews, folks. We need reviews. It's getting very sad. It's a, it's a sad and lonely <laughs> part of this podcast. And you can do that wherever fine podcasts are served. That would include the uh, podcast app, I guess, or the iTunes store mm-hmm. or whatever it's called, podcast place. The Google Play, and I don't, you know, what else? I think those are the big ones. I don't think we're on Stitcher. We could be. We could be, but we don't want to sell our souls to that to that, to that thing. Or what's the other one um, that we've been asked about? Well, we got on, uh, what was the one we got on? I don't know. It's probably been a while now, a couple years ago. Um, it's not SoundCloud, is it? No, no, no. We're not. I don't think we're on SoundCloud. They're, oh, it's the streaming like, service. What's the? Yeah. What is that called? Is it something FM? Something. Radio? No. I don't know. Anyway, don't want to drag this out further, but we uh, we would Spotify. like to Spotify. Oh yeah, that's right. We're on Spotify. No, I we're think, not. No, we're not. We're not. Okay. We well, talked yeah, about sure, it. We should work on that. <clears throat> we should also work on like, are we on like Roku and like these different things, or do they just use? Uh, they yeah. probably use like Spotify or something. Yeah. Okay. Um. What else? Even just uh, even if you just don't want to leave a review, but you can still go in and like give us five stars, right? And so we'd, that's always, we'd love, that's to, love to hear your experiences from Dreamforce. So if you that's true, if you want to, you have a good topic, you potentially want to be on the show, let us know. Or if you just have some comments or something, send us an email. Info at gooddaysarepodcast.com. Yep. We're easy to get a hold of. We even have a Twitter. And we don't can, bite, I promise. Yeah. yeah. I promise. That's, I don't know about you. That's arguable. There, there may be certain uh, facts in your, in your past that would argue against that, John. I've had my rabies shots. <laughs> okay. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.